Hope you had a good Father's Day. This week, the news is bringing me some updates on some past stories, including an ironic twist for a bank robber. I've also got some good news for gamers, a tattoo artist you definitely don't want to cross, and a kind of a sad, sweet story about a couple from India. And the Jackass of the Week comes courtesy of a seriously depressing study about chocolate milk. And finally... This week's recommended listening features the dark and twisted world of Welcome to Night Vale. Beginning on that old podcast in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the Odd Dad Out podcast where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, Adam Higgins, the Odd Dad Out, and this is a show where I share my twisted little view of things in the world and make fun of, let's just say, less than mainstream news stories. And I wrap it all up with a featured podcast because I love sharing the things that I love with you. So, it's at the beginning... Happy Father's Day. I realize Father's Day was a few days ago if you're listening to this on release day, but happy Father's Day anyway to all of you dads out there. And I don't know why I didn't, I guess because this goes out so early in the week, I felt like last week was too early. So I guess better late than never. And yeah, that's, I'm, I'm going to, I have a confession. It's confession time. This is going to be the segment is going to be, it's, it's Adam's confession time. I'm not a big fan of Father's Day. I guess I'm not a big fan of singularly person focused holidays. And it's not because I have anything against them. It's that, like, in my case, I'm a dad. Well, and Father's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, all that stuff. What happens? And this is totally a modern thing specifically. All day, your phone is blowing up with happy birthday texts like fucking crazy. Happy birthday. And like happy Father's Day. 20 fucking happy Father's Day texts all damn day, which means all damn day you're responding to thanks, happy, thank you, thank you. And it's not that I'm ungrateful, but I'm just easily annoyed. And maybe it's just me. I, okay, it's not just me. My wife agrees that it is mildly annoying. It's it's just kind of part of the culture now, the the texting for everything, and because it's a lot easier than making a phone call. So yeah, you just text everybody, oh, happy Father's Day, happy anniversary, happy, happy birthday, but all damn day your phone is blowing up with these tiny, just like every five minutes your phone's going off, like, fuck, okay, shut up, I don't care. Like, I appreciate it, but fuck, you're just blowing up my phone. And I'm sure your phone's doing the same thing, so... No, 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 just stop. I guess it's the, I'm less annoyed by Father's Day and those holidays than just the current culture of we've got to text everything and Facebook message everything. And all day, it's text blowing up and Facebook pings and... You look like a dickhead if you don't respond to every single one and post up a, a thank you to everybody for all of the Father's Day wishes. And fuck, I, it's, 
Yeah, it's just annoying, I guess. Be- it's because it's it's but it's really just that like element of the current modern everybody's connected via electronics and social media, therefore everybody is like disconnected. The rather than make a phone call and and have a conversation, happy father's day, how are you? You text them or you Facebook ping them or something for a you're giving the impression of of caring, but really it's just a you know get this out of the way, say happy Father's Day, ping, and off you go. And I actually generally I don't do that. I respond to people, but I do not initiate the happy Father's Days or the happy birthdays um, because well I'm I obviously I'm kind of annoyed by that thing. I respond. I I I what's the reciprocate the the thank yous and happy father's days and all that. But I'm, I'm too annoyed by it to, to initiate that, that topic. Uh, you know, but all that, that nonsense aside, I had a decent father's day. I say decent. We don't, again, because I'm not big on these holidays and I think father's day is kind of a loaded holiday because really, because the traditional things you do for father's day, are all things that fall on dad. Like, Father's Day is a barbecue holiday. Like, Memorial Day and Fourth of July. Father's Day is a barbecue holiday. And who does the barbecuing? Dad. And I realize it sounds kind of sexist and it's old-fashioned and whatnot, but stereotypes are stereotypes. Dad does the barbecuing, and Father's Day is a barbecue holiday. Therefore, the day that is supposed to be devoted to dad and, like... For Mother's Day, you give mom the day off. As much as possible, you give mom the day off. But all of the shit you do to celebrate Father's Day falls on dad. Really. You might let dad sleep in. Might. Not me. Not, no. Fuck that. No shit. Um, <laughs> like, I woke up to, happy Father's Day. Baby's crying. Go be father. <laughs> but that's just kind of my home dynamic, so... It's like, I'm not going to expect that I, my job is going to change just because it's Father's Day. Like, I still got to get up and get the boys breakfast and do all that shit. That's the, just part of my job. So, yeah, there's that. But, you know, it's really around here, it's it's just a Sunday. That's really kind of it. Because, I mean, I've said before, I've got, you know, X amount of time to get shit done during the week and Sunday is one of those days where I got to get shit done. That's where we do our grocery shopping and that's when we do yard work and we do all that shit. That gets done on Sunday. So, yeah, Father's Day didn't change any of that for me. I still had to get my shit done. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's become barbecue day around here anyway, so didn't change the menu. So, yeah, I mean, other than just lots of texts and shit, eh, Father's Day's just a day for me. And... Uh, incidentally, because my wife hates surprises, she didn't even give me a gift on Father's Day. She gave me my gift last week when it arrived in the mail because my wife hates surprises and she she's impatient as shit. She wanted to see me open it before, like as soon as it comes in, she wants to see me open it. And for the past few years, really, since I got into listening to podcasts and, and podcasting and all that, uh, she's been buying me gifts from Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, one of which I actually use every show now is 
my uh, welcome to Night Vale, my Night Vale radio or Night Vale community radio coffee cup, which has become my kind of traditional. That is what I use for my coffee during every show. No bullshit. Sits here on on the desk with me every show. And she got me that last year. This year, as it's kind of, again, I do all the cooking in the house. I've been cooking since I was seven. So she bought me a night, welcome to Night Vale apron from the Moonlight All Night Diner, which it's kind of a, it's like a diner style apron. So it's a little shorter. It's got the pockets in the front and all that, but it's, it's really cool. And it's, and it's something that I now use that I use it for pizza night and I use it for barbecue night. And I'm out there on the, on the back patio with the grill with my, you know, my bandana and my apron and, and, and grilling away because it's Sunday night and it's barbecue night. And that's what we do. But it's, it's just kind of become our thing. And I would say there, there's a ton of like, we both are very into Night Vale now. And so it's become kind of a thing where she keeps buying me. Night Vale themed gifts and I would love to get her something except she controls she like she monitors the bank account I she again she, my wife is uh stresses her security blanket so she would rather have all of that knowledge and focus on doing the bills and all that shit so I'm kind of hands off when it comes to that stuff because yeah when I was doing it she lost her shit she was like having panic attacks and whatnot so I let her handle that. She can handle that. But when she's the one checking the bank account every day, I can't really buy anything and sneak it past her. Because she'll figure it out. Because she'll start questioning, Why didn't you spend all this money on here and there and there for? Why did you just spend $90 on this thing? What did you buy? Because she totally sounds like that. Uh, <laughs> I, I say that and I do this horrible impression of my wife when I do a show with my wife for you to know otherwise. But that aside, she can sneak shit past me because I, she looks, she kind of controls the bank account. She looks at all the, the numbers and she checks it on it every day. I really only ever check the bank account to see if my direct deposits hit on payday. That's about it. So yeah, she's kind of. I can't sneak shit past her. I can't make a trip to Walmart without her uh, jumping. Why do you spend $60 at Walmart? Pull-ups, diapers. You told me to get this thing. It cost $30. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's just kind of the weird twist with us. But, because, and, and I've talked about it before, we have a very... Basic reverse of of normal uh, gender roles in our house. I do the cooking and cleaning and and taking care of the kids, and she runs the books. And yeah, because those are just better suited positions for us. Uh, but I think that's enough making fun of my wife for for one show. I'm going to jump really quick into my first uh, Potter and Family promo break. And I will be right back with the news. The Epic Film Guys podcast is a film comedy podcast with two best friends celebrating everything we love about going to the movies. We've got great beer, amazing guests, and quirky characters unlike anything you've ever heard before. 
Well, I just assumed you were drinking that chocolate stout that you were going to make with the cheapest crap chocolate ice cream in a Miller Lite. I remember being a young man and my mother telling me I didn't have a name because I was illegitimate. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> Subscribe to the Epic Film Guys on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast app. And we'll see you at the movies. Hi, do you want to Netflix and chill, but you're not popular enough to have a girlfriend? Check out Netflix and Swill, where you can get drunk alone and listen to us ramble on about shit that's on Netflix. I've listened to Netflix and Swill for two whole episodes now, and they've helped cure my incurable loneliness. Thanks, Netflix and Swill, for letting me get so drunk and forgetting about all my problems. You can trust him. He's unbiased. I'm totally not a host for this show. So hop over to netflixandswill.podbean.com or check us out on iTunes. Bullshit from the news. So like I said at the top of the show, this week's news kind of brought a lot of updates to previous stories, including... Going right back to last week and a story about fidget spinners, German officials are actually planning to destroy 35 tons of fidget spinners. And not because of some crazy, you know, like, oh, they're German, they're uptight, crazy ban or anything. They actually were seized by uh, customs during the month of May for being defective and dangerous. Um, apparently they came, they were just like, they tested them. I was like, you fucking test a fidget spinner, you spin it, does it work? But apparently they were falling apart and not well constructed and were a danger, especially when you look at a, the parts of a fidget spinner. And yeah, the, it's a pretty big thing with the little caps in the center and the bearings and all that. If they don't stay put, they, Hey, you spin that fast enough, one of those outside bearings falls out, that's a projectile, and son of a bitch, is that going to hurt? And then you've got, the again, all the little parts, choking hazard for small children, and all those sort of little things. So they were actually ruled defective. They were just like cheap fidget spinners that they confiscated coming from China, that they were like, nope, these things are defective, they're dangerous. And they all need to be destroyed. So they are planning to crush 35 tons. Fuck, that's a lot of fidget spinners. Because what do they weigh? Like two or three ounces? Seriously? Shit. But 35 tons of dangerous and defective fidget spinners. <laughs> uh, all right. Going back a little bit further... If you recall the story of the Queen's woman who basically got rejected on her uh, slot machine jackpot. So, another quick refresher. Woman's playing the penny slot machines. She went gets a jackpot of $43 million playing the penny slots. Let that sink in for a second. The penny slots. And the casino comes back and says, we're sorry, that jackpot's an error. That machine can't pay out that high. So, uh, because it's an error, that entire jackpot is void. (laughs) 
And they offered her a free dinner. They're like, hey, sorry, but, you know, sorry you, you didn't hit that jackpot you thought you did, but here's a free dinner. The New York State Gaming Commission actually came in and inspected the machine and ruled, yes, this machine is, is it malfunctioned. It was a computer error. This machine can't pay out that high. Your jackpot is void. And that's it. It's like the Gaming Commission ruled on this. They said, hey, no, you're, you're not getting $43 million. Well, now the woman is suing the casino, the casino's parent company, uh, and the slot machine manufacturer because she got some lawyer that's like, hey, well, if that machine is malfunctioned and caused the, uh, caused her to get a false jackpot, then were you not maintaining the machines? This machine was malfunctioning and this machine was, was broken the whole time. What about everybody else who played this machine? Uh, were they, was it impossible for them to win because this machine was malfunctioning because you're not maintaining the equipment and they, they produced a defective machine and blah, blah, blah. I was like, and what are they suing for? $43 million. Ah, and, and all this crap. And oh, she was subject to ridicule and, 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 and stress and the emotional distress. After thinking she won and then having it all taken away, like, you didn't have anything taken away. You didn't have anything. Uh, to quote uh, A Knight's Tale, that's why it's called gambling. <laughs> you don't have anything. They didn't take it away. You never had it. So, yeah, but she's fucking suing. The thing is, there have already been cases like this that have been ruled. This is, if this actually goes to court, then it's going to immediately get kicked back because there is a precedent for this. There was a case of, I think they said there was a woman in Atlantic City. Same situation. Won a jackpot off a slot machine and the machine was not supposed to give a jackpot that high. It was found to be a computer error, and the jackpot was void. That's it. The court said, nope, the machine malfunctioned. They are not responsible for that. They don't have to pay it out. That's why there's signs all over, which in this case there were as well. You know, machine malfunction voids all payouts. And again, you won a $43 million jackpot on a machine that can't pay out that high. So obviously something's wrong. Stop being greedy. If you want to sue for anything, sue for whatever you pumped into the machine. If you say the machine was defective, give me my money back. Go to the tape, see how much money I put in the machine, give me my money back, but stop fighting to get a jackpot you did not win. That's it. Uh, all right. Last update. If you recall, about the last September, a man, 71-year-old man, robbed a bank to get away from his wife. And it was it was just kind of funny that just this old man was getting into an argument with his wife, and he was like, I'd rather go to jail than stay here with you. So what does he do? He writes down a little note walks around, goes and robs a bank. It's like, oh, give me all your money. And then sits down in the bank waiting for the police to come and arrest him because he'd rather be in jail than be at home with his wife. 
This man was recently sentenced to six months of house arrest. <laughs> Which is the, the most ironic, and, twi- and it's not ironic, whatever the hell, proper terminology. Some people are grammar Nazis, whatever. But that is just the, that's an M. Night Shyamalan twist right there. Six months of house arrest. Uh, he's also been ordered to 50 hours of community service. And he has to pay back all of the money that he quote unquote stole. Even though he didn't get away with anything, he just kind of did it. Uh, you know, the money stayed there. He was right there. Apparently he's got to pay back like lost wages and things to the employees from the shutdown from the robbery. Shit like that. But it turns out that the the court and the doctors and everything involved realized that he was suffering from undiagnosed depression, which resulted in the fight, which resulted in the I'd rather be in jail and blah, blah, blah. And he's a 71-year-old man. So they were like, he, he robbed a bank. If he's convicted of robbing a bank and really serving the time, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. I like, this is just a, a, a sad old man. He doesn't need to go to prison. So, house arrest and and counseling and and some community service and call it a day. Well, call it six months. But the, the fact that he was, the whole thing started with him not wanting to be around his wife and now he's got house arrest is just hilarious. <sighs> but I think it's, it, it, it's a case of depression. It's a case of the dude, you know, had issues and he needed help and they're like we're not gonna lock up an old man that shouldn't have you know this wouldn't have happened if they realized it was depression so if he was being treated for his depression this wouldn't have happened so let's give the old man a break all right on to new news okay i i know a few tattoo artists i've got one tattoo but I've known a few tattoo artists. My sister used to date one. But I've never imagined somebody doing something like this. Maybe it's just a Brazil thing. A Brazilian tattoo artist has been arrested for tattooing a thief's forehead. A tattoo artist in Sao Paulo, Brazil, caught a 17-year-old kid trying to steal his bike outside his shop. So, as punishment, him and his assistant grabbed the kid and tattooed his forehead with, I can't read it, it's in it's in Portuguese, but it translates to, I am a thief and a loser. <laughs> tattooed onto the kid's forehead. So, yeah, the tattoo artist and his friend who were, they were like holding him down and did this, and of course, they taped, they videotaped the whole thing, and it's on YouTube. Um, were arrested for torture because they tattooed a kid's forehead against his will. But yeah, I've got the picture of the tattoo with obviously most of the kid's face blurred out and all that. And you look at this, you're like, A, this was definitely freehand. B, this kid was definitely fighting. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, uh, the uh, Jackass movie where Steve-O had that smiley face tattooed on his arm while they're like in a they're doom bug running around off-road and shit. Kind of looks like that. 
But, I mean, like they, they've been arrested for torturing the kid. He's 17. I don't know the age of consent in, in Brazil. I don't think it really matters because technically forcing, you know, holding someone down and tattooing their face is going to be torture regardless of age. But, yeah, I, I can, I kind of, I can see both sides of it, really. I mean, you know, a kid was stealing his stuff, but, at the same time, I think this tattoo artist probably has some anger issues if he's so quick to go and tattoo somebody's head. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it's bad. All right. And here, this one's got some kind of, I'd say this is a, what's the double-edged sword? It's bittersweet news for gamers. A recent study out of Italy on gaming and sexual health, and I don't know why you would do a study on these two things together, but a study on gaming and sexual health found that gamers apparently are less likely to suffer from premature ejaculation. <laughs> and yeah, why are you studying this, really? Come on, Italy. Fuck people study stupid shit. But yeah, they in a, in a, a study they did for whatever the fuck reason, they found that gamers, I guess specifically men, uh, have fewer instances of premature ejaculation, and they were also studying. Oh, is there erectile dysfunction disorder? And they're like, nope, doesn't matter. There's no difference in erectile dysfunction if you're a gamer or not. So all of those hours huddled with a with a, a Wi-Fi controller, you know, spewing radiation in your lap is not harming your junk. At the same time, they've also come to find that overall male gamers have a lower sex drive in general. So that's probably the reason why there's less uh, premature uh, issues they're more interested in, in Laura Croft and Harley Quinn than the girl waiting for them in the bedroom. Which, sorry, God, you're kind of an idiot. But you know what? I, I, I'm a gamer. I play video games, but you know what? I'd much rather spend the time in bed with my wife than, than playing video games. And apparently these guys, not so interested. Uh. I, I, and not to crap on gamers or anything, but I think the problem is it, it's really more of a case of like in the video games and everybody's seen it, but that like hypersexualization of these characters. So you get, what's it, a left, not left for dead, a dead or alive or whatever the hell that video game where it's like a fighting game, but it's like bikini volleyball girls. But they've all got basketball-sized boobs, and that's the and it's shot like like really that's it, or just about any female in any fighting game post 1995, where it looks like every time they take a step, they're gonna knock their own teeth out with their boobs. And they're just like super hypersexualized. So the argument could be made by me, fuck the rest of you guys, uh, that. Maybe that hypersexualization has desensitized these guys to what, like, a real woman looks like. Like, if, if she doesn't look as good 
as as Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy do in the game, then that's just not good enough, or that's not going to do it for them. Or maybe it's just that they're so like the the article kind of focused more on that, like maybe that their psychological their gratifications uh, centers of their brain, they get more gratification out of success in the video game virtual world than they do out of banging their girlfriend. Once again, priorities are fucked up, dude. This last story, I was, I said it's kind of sad and sweet and kind of really kind of changing gears here, but it's just something it was like, I saw it and it was, I, I couldn't pass up on it. But a, a man in India was bitten by a poisonous snake and then bit his wife so that they could die together. So I guess he wakes up, he sees he's been bitten by some sort of a poisonous snake and kind of realizing he's like, I'm going to die from this. There's no way I'm, I'm surviving. I guess it wasn't like a, he got bit and like, ah, well, jumps up. It was, he started to feel the effects and of the poison and feeling he was dying. And that's what woke him up. Um, so, you know, he wakes up his wife, talks to her like, Oh, like, like, I love you so much. I don't want to be without you. I don't want you to be without me. Uh, you know, I want us to go out together. So, and she, you know, they cry. He, she, you know, agrees. And he bites her on the wrist to infect her, I guess. And then they both fall unconscious and he dies but she's taken to the hospital and and treated and she survives. And this is both sad and um, puzzling, I guess, because it's just like it's it's really sad and it's really sweet that they they wanted to die together and it's sad in not that she didn't die, but that they wanted to die together and she didn't die. And so now she is going to be that much more sad. She's without her husband. And when they tried to be together, they couldn't be. But it, it, it's puzzling because I, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, a, a her, I think herpetologist is the proper term for a, a snake or a, a reptile specialist. Um, totally be wrong pulling words out of my ass but i don't think snakes work like that yeah i just i i don't i don't think that you getting bit by a snake gives you the ability to bite somebody and 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 poison them unless it was like uh, he bit her arm and like drew blood and then smeared his infected poison blood from the his bite on it because that would have it because there'd be venom right there at the injection but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure snakes don't work like that. Um, I don't know why they, she had to be treated. I mean, maybe she had to get treated for like tetanus or something from him biting her. That could totally be it because the human mouth is filthy and you know, you bite somebody, somebody, a person biting another person, the infection involved is ridiculous. So that they could have totally treated her for that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure snakes don't work like that. But it is it. Is, I I just couldn't pass on this story. 
because when I first saw the headline, it says, you know, man bitten by snake bites wife. Uh, and I was like, what? And then I read it. I was like, oh, this is sad. Oh, but I, I just was drawn to that story. So I had to, uh, and, and completely derailing the, the, the sweet little moment of a couple there. It is time for the jackass of the week. So a survey was done by the National Dairy Council. And I I didn't see what the hell it was they were looking for. But the results of this study, at least in the couple of questions, are just sad and depressing. Apparently, this survey found that 7% of American adults think that chocolate milk comes from brown cows. Yeah, let that soak in a second. That when you milk a brown cow, you get chocolate milk. Equally depressing, 48% don't know where chocolate milk comes from at all. Again, let that sink in for a second. Now, I don't know about you, but I had a bottle of Hershey syrup and a glass of milk when I was like five or six years old. And you, you you pour the chocolate in the milk and you stir it up and you have chocolate milk. Have these people never done that? Do they think that's like artificial chocolate milk? How the fuck do you not know where chocolate milk comes from? 48%. Almost half of the people polled. Now let's figure it's it's a poll and polls can be flawed because it's just the group of people that you that you polled from apparently in this case are fucking idiots. But fuck 7%. Anything more than 1% and that 1% better live in a home for the disabled think that it comes from fucking brown cows. As an adult as a middle schooler, you should know better than that, you fucktard. And then 48%, half, almost half, serious, 2% different. Fucking half of the people they polled don't know where chocolate milk comes from. What the fuck brain dead polling group did they have that don't know where the fuck chocolate milk comes from? Seriously? I mean, if... You would think this was an article from The Onion. Really? You'd think this was bullshit. But this has been making the rounds. This actually hit mainstream news because it's so ridiculous. This was actually a legitimate survey and legitimate fucking retard results that came out of the fucking National Dairy Council. Really? The National Dairy Council just figured out that... American adults are fucking morons, which if you've been listening to this show long enough, you also are fully aware of. But dear God, oh my... So, I 
Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... These are all adults. Actually adults. Okay, legally they're adults. They're over 18. They're legally adults. My three-year-old knows where the fuck chocolate milk comes from. How the fuck... Does any... If they got one person in this survey who thinks that fucking chocolate milk comes from brown cows, it's too many. That's it. And if that one guy is just being a goof, fine. But the fact that they got 70 per, or 77% of this group that... What? They can't all be pranking you. They can't all be that... They can't all be that dumb or that... or. I... I yeah, I think dumbfounded is the proper term for the way I'm feeling right now. I'm just, oh my god, this is just, it's mind-boggling how dumb people can be. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> I have to, I have to, to have some coffee and calm down from from this idiocy, and I will come back. With Welcome to Night Vale. Want to know the story behind Pottern Family? Pottern Family started with a hashtag for indie podcasters. The podcasters who do this for fun and because we're passionate. We're not the big podcast you hear about, most likely. We don't have 10 to 15 people helping us with production. But that doesn't mean the quality and content you're getting isn't as good as any of those shows. Is there an area of interest you like talking to people about? Listen to an indie podcast on that topic. The hosts are incredibly reachable. We're basically clamoring to hear from listeners. We're just as much your fans as you are ours. No matter what you're interested in, Pottern Family's got a show for you. Like movies and TV? Check out the Epic Film Guys, the Something Something cast, the Boxers, or the Countdown Movie and TV Review. Do you like comedy? Check out Everyone Has a Podcast, The One Word Go Show, Afterburn 739, Now That I'm Older, Rick and Paul Heal the World, or Off in the Weeds. How about random trivia and fun facts? Check out The Endless Knot, or The Story Behind. Like comic books and geek culture? Check out Geek Yogurt Podcast or Little Geek Lost. I could go on, and believe me when I say there are a whole lot more where that came from. But you can find all these and more by searching the hashtag Pottern Family on Twitter. Access granted. I'm Matt. This is Joe. And I'm Becky. And we host Pre-Recorded Live, a weekly podcast where we goof off and geek out about nerdy news, movies, video games, and whatever else we feel like talking about. So check us out at Pre-Rec Live on Twitter, Facebook.com backslash Pre-Rec Live, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting app. I didn't, I, I didn't get a second line. I feel like I should say something. All my butt hair fell out. It's kind of nice. <laughs> Recommended listening. A friendly desert community where the sun is hot, the moon is beautiful, and mysterious lights pass overhead while we all pretend to sleep. Welcome. Tonight, babe.
listeners. To start things off, I've been asked to read this brief notice. The City Council announces the opening of a new dog park at the corner of Earl and Somerset near the Ralphs. They would like to remind everyone that dogs are not allowed in the dog park. People are not allowed in the dog park. It is possible you will see hooded figures in the dog park. Do not approach them. Do not approach the dog park. The fence is electrified and highly dangerous. Try not to look at the dog park, and especially do not look for any period of time at the hooded figures. The dog park will not harm you. And now the news. Yes, it is actually that weird. And that was just the opening of the very first episode. And it basically shaped... It it tells you right off the bat what kind of a show you're getting into. And and there are not really words to describe Welcome to Night Vale that actually really you're you're not going to get it without listening to it and i saw one description there they basically said that it nightvale is a town where every conspiracy theory is reality as this is where conspiracy theories go to exist it, it's a place where angels don't exist even though they they live on the edge of town but they don't exist to pay no attention uh mountains do not exist even though you can see them um where a literal five-headed dragon can be arrested for insurance fraud and then run for mayor along with the faceless old woman who secretly lives in all our homes and this is just an ordinary day. Uh, it's, yeah, that's Night Vale in a nutshell. Um, it is so weird and so twisted and so funny because the entire show is delivered as a radio broadcast from Night Vale Community Radio. And sometimes you have, you know, interns who don't have a very long lifespan. And you, there'll be interns and issues with station management or the city council. And, but it's just, it's a whole thing is presented like a radio broadcast with the weirdest news you will ever hear. Uh, the community calendar, which the, uh, the host of Welcome to Night Vale, uh, Cecil Baldwin, uh, he actually did a spot on Colbert reading the community calendar. And it's, it's just a great bit. I think it was the writers were there promoting the book, but it was really fun to see that actually being done and in a live setting. And, uh, I will always remember my favorite. I don't even remember what episode it came from, but my favorite little bit from the, uh, community calendar says Wednesday has been canceled. <laughs> That's always just stuck out to me. It's like Wednesday has been canceled due to a scheduling conflict. Like, okay, right. <laughs> it's just the sort of shit that happens. Uh, 
Yeah, my wife and I have gotten really into it. I've gotten I've gotten other people to listen to it. This is this was the show. This was really the show that showed me what podcasting could be like. That it's not just interviews, it's not just tech shows, it's not just comedians, you know, hanging out with other comedians. That this is this really intricate, twisted, you know, world that is shaped through this show. And it's not a very long episodes are only like 20 to 30 minutes. And the, the longest episodes you ever run across are like season finales. And they do actually have for most part seasons because they take a break in January. They take a break in July. And because they started the show at the end of June, that's basically the last show in June or the, and the show in June is basically the first one. That's kind of the finales right there. So they take their summer break, but it's just, it's gotten so huge and they actually now basically run a like full year round touring show where they have separate stories and it's like an hour or two hour long show that they do with live music and, and all of this and the voice actors for the show as it's grown, it's kind of crazy. Like Will Wheaton voices a character and Mara Wilson. And if you don't know Mara Wilson by name, she was the little girl in Mrs. Doubtfire and Matilda. She now an adult, now a writer, um, is friends with the team from Welcome to Night Vale. So she is the voice of the faceless old woman who secretly lives in all our homes. And I believe Will Wheaton actually voices uh, John Peters, you know, the farmer. And yes, they say it that way every single time. But it's it's a it's a world that is so fully developed. They they go into such detail about such little things that you really understand so much about. Night Vale and the weirdness that there is and the rules that exist in Night Vale while simultaneously not knowing a lot of details because it's an audio medium. There's an entire like subsect of the internet devoted to people's fan art of what characters look like and there's become this consensus about what Cecil looks like in Night Vale. You, ever, you can look up and see what the the actor looks like but you look into like the pictures of what people think Cecil in Night Vale looks like and for some reason he's got three eyes and he's got long like arm tattoos and all of these things and he's dressed very properly now they have described his clothes on multiple occasions but they're always different outfits depending on the occasion but they always seems to always be dressed the same and suddenly he's got this third eye and these tattoos and all these things. And even when asking the real Cecil, hey, where did this come from? He's like, I have no clue. I don't know why people suddenly, this is what people say. But you don't know. Really, Cecil and Night Vale could look like Denzel Washington for all we know. Because you never know. They never tell you. You have no idea what he looks like. It's just a voice. And, but people get so 
into it and that that headcanon of things you know and it's it's that people it, the people are attached to this now that it's become such a huge thing and like i said i've got night veil stuff that i use on a weekly basis that i use my night veil community radio cup every week when i do the show i use my moonlight all night diner apron uh I would love to get my wife like a messenger bag or something with uh, the Night Vale Public Library because she's going to school to be a librarian. But she wants to get a tattoo of Koshak, the cat who hovers about four feet off the ground in the men's restroom at the Night Vale Community Radio Station. And but there's all these things and the but they're so ingrained. The people who are in you don't just like Night Vale. You get into it, it gets its hooks into you, you, it pulls you in, and then you're committed. You you go head first. Because once you listen to that first episode, you it's either your thing or it's not, and that's it. There's no it's like no eh, there's nobody who's wishy washy on Night Vale. There's people who don't like it because it's just not their thing. And then there's the people who are cosplaying as Kevin or doing fan, doing their fan art of the faceless old woman or whatever. It's the, but there's so many characters and so many things and so many ideas and crazy things going on in Night Vale. And I've never been so emotionally uh, connected to the actions of a podcast. Or to anything, really, because I mean, they just finished their fifth year, and I mean that's a hell of a thing to go through five years of this show, writing it, or, you know, continually having to write, and then that they're writing. They've done two novels, they've done multiple stage shows, which they do a the touring show is a separate story apart from the main show continuity so it doesn't affect so it's not like oh you missed this because you weren't at the live show like no it's one there's a storyline that progresses for the season and then there's an independent touring show and they're in a different story right now incidentally uh the season finale of of this past season they announced that they will be coming to phoenix in december so my wife and I are eagerly awaiting tickets going on sale this week, which we looked into, and they're not that expensive. But in December, on December 1st, we wholeheartedly expect are planning to go to see Welcome to Night Vale Live because we've both fully committed to this show. <laughs> we are we are both diehard. Now, we're not the cosplaying fan art people because we're not those kind of people. But we absolutely want to go see this live. And I I completely missed the element of every episode aside from Cecil's delivery, which is just amazing. His voice is just something and the way he delivers different lines and even everything down to the way he breathes. But every episode, because it's a news broadcast... They have to bring you the weather. Well, on Welcome to Night Vale, the weather is a musical segment. And and now 
the weather. And it goes to an independent music, usually an independent musician and something that obviously they have the legal ability to, uh, play. But it'll just, and the songs go all over the place. I mean, the most iconic one is still, uh, waiting on the bus in the rain. And it was in like the second episode. But to me, I always, I think that one sticks out to people because it's the only weather song that has anything to do with the weather. <laughs> but they go all over the board from just regular old country music to like some like Christian preachy stuff to poppy rap stuff. But it's all independent artists that for the most part, probably only hipsters will claim they know. Like, I knew them before they were famous. I knew them before they were on Night Vale. Shit like that. But some of it's good, some of it's bad. It's because the music is all over the place. Um, There's a big, you know, there's a big group of people who are like, oh yeah, no, I just skip the weather every time. Why? Maybe you might hear a good song. Their, the opening of season three was actually quite good. Very different. But whatever. But you shouldn't pass it. You should at least give them a try. These are musicians who are putting their music out there after all. But it's, I, I just, this is probably the only show I could go on about like this to such a degree that isn't like, the only shows I've done like the, Go, that could go on like this before, like the unwritable rant and the story behind that they're just these women who are very, they just do a great job putting up together great shows. Well, that's what the, uh, the team at Welcome to Night Vale do. They just put together an amazing show with a relatively small team of people and a handful of voice actors and independent artists that do their artwork and their merchandise and things like this. But it's this, this community that once you become part of this thing, when you become part of that Night Vale community, it's just so crazy. And that's, it's just a cool thing. It's, it's just a cool thing. So if you haven't listened to Welcome to Night Vale yet, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm surprised because well, I'm, I'm not surprised because when I first listened to it, the reason I listened to it was because every podcatcher and every app shoves it in your face. Really does. Because it is such a popular show and it is such a big thing, but it's in the realm of comedy and dark horror and all this, but it's so crazy. But everything puts it front and center. This is something you should try. And I think everybody should try this show because it's a good, it's a good primer. If you can listen to, if you can dig Welcome to Night Vale, you'll probably find other types of podcasts you can listen to. But then the, but that storytelling sort of thing that is very, at the time it came out, it was very unique. Nobody else was really doing anything quite like it at the time. But yeah, I, I remember because of the description it's a twice monthly podcast in a style of community updates for the small desert town of Nightvale, featuring local weather, news announcements from the Sheriff's Secret Police, 
mysterious lights in the night sky, dark hooded figures with unknowable powers, and cultural events. That's the official description of the show. That is a really unknowable description for the show. <laughs> you really don't know what to expect. And so I, I was like, you know what? Hell, I, I put it on, like, I think the first episode I listened to, I think it was, uh, this is part two. There is no part one. And it was literally the second half of a story that you don't have the beginning of. So it's hilarious that you're trying to make up all of what, like, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> so you're trying to discern how the story started when there is no beginning to the story. That's the kind of show that this is. A dragon can get pulled over for, for fraud. A dog can be terrorizing the town. The entire universe could be falling apart around you, and it's just a Tuesday in Night Vale. So, I suggest that you check this out, because it's, it's a good, it's a good toe into the world. It is. And you might as well start with the first episode, because at this point, the, the lore is so deep, it's hard to understand all of the nuance without going back to start, and you'll want to anyway, so you might as well start at the beginning. But you can check it all out at welcometonightvale.com. Of course, that's the flagship show of the Night Vale Presents Network, which includes Alice Isn't Dead and Within the Wires, which I've already featured previously. Um, but you can check them all out again. Those, you'll find those all at nightvalepresents.com and you can pick any of those shows. But that's going to do it for me for this week. Remember, you can get all the links to the news stories I talked about along with some pictures and occasionally some videos at odddadout.blogspot.com. And while you're there, click the little subscribe links at the top, whether you use Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spreaker, Stitcher, or any other app. It's right there, right at the top on the homepage. And since you're already doing that, you might as well just leave a review for me so I know what you think of the show and all that. And you can always reach me on Facebook and Twitter at OddDadOut. And normally this is the part where I would I would say something, but this week I think I will just leave you with a few more parting words from the amazing Cecil himself. Stay tuned next for our countdown of last words from Stop Telling Me How to Drive all the way to It's Okay, It's Okay, It's Okay. Good night, Night Vale. Good night.